Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from, you know, just the news. We're so grateful for all that you do to support us by reading us and listening to this podcast. And today, we're going to try to deliver on that promise to give you nothing but just the news. No opinion, no uh, uh, indoctrination, just straight news. And we've got some important things to talk about today. Um... In a few minutes, we're going to hear from Congressman Brian Stile. If you haven't heard from him, he is a remarkable new member, uh, only been a couple of years now, uh, in from Wisconsin, and he is taking the lead on a lot of issues. He's very visible uh, on, uh, let's say, uh, Iran. He's done something really unique. He believes he caught the Biden administration making an exemption to the Iranian uh, uh, sanctions, and he's asking hard questions of the Treasury Secretary. He jumped on it before other people. He's uh, being proactive. He's really using, even in the minority, because Republicans are in the minority in the House, he's really using his oversight power to get the American people answers to important questions like, are we looking the other way on Iran? What are we doing? So we want to talk to him about election integrity, about Iran, about what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. So many big issues we're going to talk about. You're going to love this interview, it's got a lot of substance to it, a lot of different subjects that we cover in a very quick uh, period of time. Now, before we do that, I want to just point out one story, just a single story today that I think is worth reading. You remember when Donald Trump conceded the election, there really hadn't been any court victories that said, you know what, there was some things wrong in this election. Maybe there wasn't widespread fraud, but there were illegalities or rules that were uh, unlawful. So the president conceded the election and we've moved on. But as time has passed on, there have been three major court rulings, one in Michigan, one in Wisconsin, one in the state of Virginia, three battleground states. Maybe Virginia is a little more purple than a battleground state, but um, they have affirmed that the practices set in motion by the Democratic administrations in those three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Virginia, violated uh, state law did not comply with the state constitution or state laws. And the most recent one just occurred in Michigan, where the chief judge of the Court of Claims said that the guidance that the Democratic Secretary of State gave about signature matching, which was count every signature unless it's really grossly off, uh, was not legal. It was not lawfully given. Uh, That's a big deal, uh, especially during um, an election where signatures were important on 
absentee ballots, right? Uh, in Wisconsin, uh, there is a conclusion that more than 200,000 people were unlawfully allowed to vote uh, by mail without voter ID by claiming they were invalid, homebound, just because of COVID. Not because they were sick, but just because the pandemic was going on, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, the highest court in that state, said that was an unlawful order given by Governor Tony Evers and his Wisconsin Election Commission. That's a big deal. And then in Virginia, something that hasn't gotten a lot of attention but is of significant importance is a consent decree that was signed by the state of Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam's administration, the election office there, and Frederick County uh, judge that said that some of the rules for absentee ballots, including a decision to count ballots that didn't have a postmark on them, think about that, mailed in ballots that weren't postmarked, uh, that that was an unlawful decision and it won't happen again in Virginia. So step back for a second. When you hear the narrative that there were no irregularities in this election, this was a perfect election, that anything to the contrary is a conspiracy theory, you now have three significant court rulings in three very different and important battleground states. Check it out at justthenews.com. I wrote the story myself. It's atop the site. I think it's worth reading. I hope you'll enjoy it and uh, learn from it. All right. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Brian Style from the great state of Wisconsin, a guy that is using his oversight responsibilities in Congress to get the American people answers. I think you're going to like this interview. Listen up. We'll be right back in just a few seconds. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest from the great state of Wisconsin, where I spent eight years of my life and met my wonderful wife, uh, Congressman Brian Stiles joining us. Congressman, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me on. It is uh, an honor to have you on. You have been working on some pretty important stuff, and uh, I see headlines all over Washington with things you're working on. So I want to get to them uh, let me start with something you've been a vocal uh, proponent of, and I think I have done really one of the best jobs of describing Republican concerns, and that is H.R. 1, the congressional bill that Democrats are trying to pass through to federalize elections. Tell us why you've been fighting this so hard. It's right that we should be talking about how to improve our elections, how to have free, fair, and secure elections. And H.R. 1 moves us in the opposite direction. So I sit on the House Administration Committee right. and that oversees federal election law. There's six Democrats, three Republicans. But as you look at this bill, it takes everything that's bad in our election system, in particular, a lot of the changes that were put in place due to the pandemic. It makes those changes permanent. It centralizes our elections in Washington, D.C. and guts some of the key voter integrity provisions like voter ID. It guts that in state law and says that an individual can simply sign an affidavit rather than having to show an ID. So if, if you think about this, you know, in, in real life, you use your ID all the time. You want to 
get on an airplane, you want to buy a six pack of beer, you got to show your ID. You couldn't just sign a sheet of paper that says you are who you say you are. Nobody would want to get on that airplane if that was the case. And so this, this guts those voter integrity laws. And then a provision that I don't think has gotten enough attention, but might be one of the worst provisions in the whole bill is that it allows politicians to use federal money, government money for their reelection campaigns on a six to one match. And so if you said somebody wants to donate $200 to a congresswoman from New York City, that congresswoman in New York City can turn to the federal government and say, you owe me six to one match, $1,200, meaning they got a total of $1,400 that they can use for their reelection campaign to run negative ads on TV, negative mailers, paid for political consultants. And I can tell you, of all the complaints that I have heard about elections in my short stint here in Congress, I have not had one person come and tell me that the problem with our election system is that there's not not enough enough money (laughs) money already in the system. Great point. And so we got it is just a terrible bill. And we we're working to highlight how bad it is. We lost we lost in the House. It passed the House. We're still working to highlight how bad it is because we got to make sure that the Senate doesn't let this bill go through. Yeah, it's so amazing. I was I was with. um, uh, a couple of blue collar workers the other day and uh, we were having uh, a quick beer and uh, I asked them about HR one, what they knew about it. And they said, it's the politician protection act. That's what they're doing. They're trying to make sure they're 50 year incumbents. So it seems like some of these things are starting to trickle down to everyday Americans. They see what this bill is uh, a, 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 you know, keeping corrupt politicians or incumbent politicians in forever and in uh, taking away the power that the constitution has given to state legislators to set the rules of elections in each state. And uh, it's so remarkable. You mentioned voter ID, and there, there is a really important ruling that came out of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, obviously after the election. But the, the, there's a ruling that in Wisconsin, in the November 2020 election, the Supreme Court ruled that the decision by the Evers administration, the Wisconsin Election Commission, unelected bureaucrats, that allowed people to claim they were homebound for any reason during COVID, and vote while skipping voter ID, that that violated state law and it was inappropriate. And there's as many as 200,000 people um, uh, who may have voted that way, may have just declared themselves home invalid uh, without any proof and got the vote without showing their ID. When you look at it, because Wisconsin's always had a strong voter ID law, how frustrating is it that an entire election was conducted with voter ID sort of being eviscerated or cast to the side? I've written two long op-eds on this exact topic. One is what we need to do in the state of Wisconsin to improve voter integrity, to make sure that everyone is following the letter of the law, that clerks across the state of Wisconsin, we've seen clerks in places like Madison go rogue, that everyone is following the letter of the law, that we're holding people accountable, and that we are building voter integrity by using tools before us like voter ID. The Democrats in Washington are doing the exact opposite. They're on the the path to gut some of the most important voter integrity provisions that we have, like voter ID, and they're going to do that and gut those provisions across all 50 states. So we got to battle on two fronts, if you will. One, at the state level, and again, this is a state level in the state of Wisconsin, but it's true in all 50 states, we need to work to improve voter integrity, improve confidence in our elections. And then the second front is in Washington, D.C., which is where I'm at day in and day out, fighting back against the Democratic proposals to weaken voter integrity. So not only do we need to prevent the Democrats from weakening it, we need to be on the offense at the state level 
provide additional right? benefits and strengthen voter integrity. Yeah, you, you, you cast it in the easiest of terms. I always like what I've seen you see, say this other places. If it's okay to show your ID to get on a plane, shouldn't it be okay to show your ID to, to do the most important thing our founding fathers gave us, which is the right to vote? And I think that resonates really well. We had a poll at Just the News here about a month, month and a half ago, and 77% of Americans support voter ID. And so it seems as though the Democrats are going into quite a headwind and that Republicans, if they can just message this, have a chance to, to, uh, to fight back on it. Um, I used to cross the, uh, I used to go to lacrosse, cross the river, go over to Iowa occasionally because I had to cover politics over there as a young reporter. And I know you're fighting hard on an issue uh, that is dear to a lot of Republicans right now. And that is what Democrats are trying to do with Congresswoman uh, Miller Meeks and, and her election victory. Tell us the latest on that and why you're so concerned with what's going on there. So this is a, another major challenge coming through the committee on House administration. Again, three Republicans, six Democrats. And Rita Hart, uh, the Democrats, filed a challenge against Congresswoman uh, Miller Meeks, who won Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. And what the Committee on House Administration should do is just dismiss this case. Right. Uh, Rita Hart made a decision not to utilize all of the processes that she could have used in the state of Iowa. The board in Iowa is a bipartisan canvassing board. Uh, it includes you know, the, the governor, secretary of state, treasurer. They certified Congresswoman Miller Meeks, a Republican, in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. That's what we should be using here in the House of Representatives. But instead, the Democrats on the committee refused to dismiss the case. They continue to hold it over the head of Congresswoman Miller Meeks. And the concern is that they're going to become more aggressive and ultimately try to kick her out of the House if their vote margin becomes narrow. But here's the real irony. To me, here's the real irony. Miller Meeks won by six votes. She won by six votes. That's six amazing. people in Iowa said she should be our next congresswoman. Six members on the committee are voting to try to prevent her from staying there. So wow. six votes in Washington, D.C. with Democrats, that's sufficient. But six votes from hard workers and voters in Iowa, somehow that's insufficient. The irony is pretty rich here in D.C. It's pretty remarkable and pretty rich in the sense that also Democrats didn't want Donald Trump to be able to contest anything. And now they want the ability on a certified election. Right? This is passed. We're done. There ain't any doubt that Iowa certified this election. They want to undo the will of the people there. Uh, no one it, ever. In, in their it, and the Democratic leadership, what their concern is, is their their margin here in the House. Yeah. I mean, we're talking five, six seats, depending on exactly how some of these special elections get filled, right. is so narrow that every vote matters to them. They yep. can't lose any votes. And so if they can take one out on a, on a process argument, that gives them a little bit more wiggle room. And we're fighting tooth and nail uh, to protect Congresswoman. Uh, Miller Meeks, because she is the rightly elected member from Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. It is pretty remarkable what's going on. And uh, good thing there's no hypocrisy in Washington going on. Or we, what would we do? The um, uh, I want to turn to a really important national security issue that you are the lead on, because I really feel like uh, a lot of people don't know how important this is. But before we, uh, before we get there on Iran, which is such an important issue, I want to go to one more issue sort of related to elections, but it, it relates to the Capitol riots in January 6th. You're on House administration. I keep hearing from people in and around the process and from law enforcement of people who knew what was going on that the eve of January uh, 5th, the House administration committee got together with leadership and, and Nancy Pelosi's people were there. Can you tell us, uh, if you're allowed to from the committee's rules, 
Was there anything that the House Administration Committee did with Nancy Pelosi's team or her leadership to discuss potential concerns the night before the Capitol riot? Anything, any light that you can shine on what the committee knew then, what Nancy Pelosi or her team were conveying to the committee before the riots took place? So, so I came onto the committee days after that. So I was Darn not it. a member of the committee <laughs> on January 6th. And so this is kind of the timeline. And so I'm not knowledgeable uh, as to exactly what occurred between the committee and Speaker Pelosi. Right. But what I can tell you is now I'm on the front line of this Inspector General report right. and the investigation because what we ultimately need is an independent and objective review of the facts. Yeah. And then we need to hold people accountable who either failed in their leadership, and that may very well be the case, and that's some of the facts that are starting to float out there. Uh, and we need to hold any criminals accountable who engaged in criminal behavior. That's right. And so that's really what's going to be important here. And out of the gates, we've seen the review start off under a partisan bent. And that's really disappointing because what we really need is that independent, objective review, not a partisan investigation. We did a nonpartisan analysis. We don't have that yet, but I am optimistic that we're ultimately going to be able to get there. But there's a lot of questions. The American people deserve to know everything that played out. We need to shed light on this and we need transparency. Yeah, it really does. I mean, there used to be episodes like this that just rose above politics and 9-11 was one of them and, and go through history. But this one doesn't seem to have that bipartisan feel to it. And that, that's so unfortunate because... We don't want a repeat of this. We don't want to make the same mistakes again. And it doesn't seem like the system is set up right now for the type of review that can prevent history from repeating itself here. And uh, I guess we'll have to watch you in success with what you know and, and see what happens and, and see where we go. Uh, taking on uh, Iran, uh, you, you sent a letter, I think, to the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen this week that is really interesting to me because it, it uh, reveals something that I, I was unaware of until recently. But you have strong concerns that there was a a billion dollar payment made to free up a South Korean oil tanker that Tehran had been holding hostage. Tell us first what you know, what are the facts that you know, and then why you're concerned by the Biden administration's um, activities. Well, first and foremost, we need to get transparency from the Biden administration and information that the United States is involved in waiving terrorism sanctions should be concerning to everyone. Right. And Congress needs to know what's going on with the administration and are they working with plans to facilitate a transfer of these funds? How did we get here? So as many people know, Iran uh, confiscated a, a South Korean oil tanker. And I was really concerned when I started to see reports, not from the U.S. media, right. but I saw reports from, in particular, South Korea. That's where it came South from. South Korea had the reports that the U.S. was involved in discussions uh, about this payment uh, from South Korea to Iran. And again, Iran, as we know, is the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism. Right. And so that raised a lot of flags. Why am I, a sitting member of Congress, sitting on the House Financial Services Committee, getting reports from South Korean media about what the U.S. is doing as it relates to facilitating a payment from South Korea to Iran, helping Iran get cash, which they're ultimately clearly using for things like state sponsor of terrorism and ultimately developing a nuclear weapon. And so my push back to the Biden administration is we need transparency. We need answers on this. And I've written a, a letter to uh, Secretary Janet Yellen at the Treasury saying Congress deserves a full update on this. The American people deserve a full update on this. 
because my real concern is that the Biden administration is going to go back to the failed policies of the Obama administration as they related to Iran, where they were giving an Iran, Iran a pass in particular as it related uh, to their actions as it relates to terrorism. Uh, we need to be holding Iran accountable, uh, standing not only for American safety, but also with our allies across the Middle East, in particular Israel. Uh, and this transparency is paramount. And I'm going to continue uh, on this to raise awareness. And your program is so beneficial that people understand what the Biden administration is doing, the national security concerns for the United States. And hopefully by raising this awareness, we're going to force the Biden administration uh, to explain themselves as to what they're doing. There is a uh, really remarkable because this is sitting out and open and you wouldn't know from the mainstream media because no one's reporting on it. But you've got two things going on. First, you've got uh, South Korea's foreign ministry confirming they're trying to make a billion dollar payment uh, to Iran to get the ship back. And then you've got uh, Iran's official state media confirming that South Korea is not only trying to make the payment, they're waiting for the U.S. to bless this so it doesn't violate U.S. sanctions. So this is not in doubt that this is going on right now. And the question is, why hasn't Congress been told? And it seems like you're you're pressing hard. Have you gotten any response back from OFAC, from Treasury, from the State Department uh, on, on uh, this uh, request so far? No, we've not received any response back. I'm going to continue to harp on this until we get a response. And again, this is where your program is so beneficial and programs like it is informing the American people because the more Americans are aware of what the Biden, what the Biden administration is doing, the more likely is they're going to be forced to answer these questions. I'm yeah. going to continue to harp on this until they come clean. Well, I'll tell you this morning after we, we learned about this and I was preparing for the show, we have put in FOIAs to the Treasury Department and the State Department uh, trying to freeze documents so that at some point, obviously they're not going to come out right away, but make sure that they're not destroyed, they can't be hidden. We want all documents related to these discussions. So we, we've taken a small step, even as you, you're using your congressional oversight authority to get there. So we're working... Now, there was a rare moment of bipartisanship that has occurred in the last week, and I think it's a sign that a lot of people have the same concern you have, that um, uh, we may go back to the Obama era's approach to Iran, which is give away a lot and hope to get a little. Uh, 70 Democrats, 70 Republicans all sent a letter to Blinken, Tony Blinken, the uh, Secretary of State, saying, don't take sanctions down until Iran really starts to make changes. Don't, don't give in early. How important was that the Democrats and Republicans spoke with one voice on that issue? You know, there was a day where American foreign policy was far less partisan. Yeah. And that point. it was that that is a really positive step where you see Republicans and Democrats coming together to stand up for America's national security. And so there's always going to be partisan fights in Washington, D.C. I don't want to sound Pollyannish on this, right. but it would be great to go back to the day where it's only the fringe of the Democratic Party. Uh, that is really out to sea, but and have more Democrats come across the line to understand the threat being posed to the United States by countries such as Iran, that are state sponsors of terrorism. I'd view this as a small step. I'm not going to say by any stroke of the imagination we're there, but I thought it was a really positive step to see some of these Democrats willing to stick up their neck against what's going on with the Biden administration, against the far left kind of Nancy Pelosi wing of the Democratic Party. It is remarkable. Um, and um, one last question. I know you got to run, and, uh, but uh, when I first grew up uh, and I was a young AP reporter in Wisconsin, I had to cover a, a weekly event called the Golden Fleece that was handed out by a great Wisconsin senator, a Democrat, 
But Bill Proxmire, he actually cared about waste in government. Every week he would award an, an abusive example of uh, wasteful spending in government to try to remind people we don't need deficits. We don't need deficit spending. All of this stuff is crazy. In fact, going back to our early conversation, Proxmire never raised campaign funds for himself. He always ran on 1000 or $2,000. He didn't think he needed to raise money. But uh, we have come so far from the Proxmire era now where wasteful spending is just all over the place. And you got $6 trillion going out the door just in the last year in the budget. How do Republicans, how do Americans get focused back on this crazy amount of spending and the sort of lack of fiscal discipline in Washington? And do your constituents even care about it anymore? Have they become so numb? Is, is there a way to get deficits and fiscal discipline back on the radar of Congress, the administration, and the American people? Proxmire did a great job back in the day highlighting some of the real wasteful and abusive spending in Washington, D.C. What we have seen over the past 12 months is uh, just a watershed of funds getting pushed out through the federal government. And I don't think everyone is really aware of the scale and the size of funds that are going out under the umbrella of coronavirus. Yeah. And then you look at this most recent $1.9 trillion bill. I mean, coronavirus in quotes. Right. Right. What this really was was spending on liberal wish list items. A small, tiny of it, tiny amount of it was being actually spent to address the coronavirus pandemic. And what we're really concerned about is this tipping point. And the, the big economists will tell you that the scary moment is when your total debt gets to the size of your total economy. Right. We're more or less there. And we're there Our now. Debt will cross 30 trillion in the very near future. That's roughly the size of the American economy, and we're leveraging ourselves, effectively running our government on credit cards, and the, the danger zone, if you think of it like a credit card, you have an introductory interest rate, right? right. That's where the, the treasuries currently are at, call it 2%. That's going to go up, and when it goes up in a significant amount, and people who are a little bit older that remember the interest rates of the 80s oh, yeah. uh, and before, yeah. they would be well Carter aware years. that if you have a $30 trillion debt, and your interest rate only goes up to four, five, six percent. Let alone what it was uh, in the in the eight in the early eighties. Right. We're going to have a real problem on our hand, and it's going to squeeze out all the other priorities. And so, one of the things I think we need to do as a country is Democrats and Republicans on this to address it is to say it's going to squeeze out all of our priorities because we're going to be simply working to pay off our credit yeah. card debt. You have a trillion dollars just going to the, the debt. That you right versus what you and I realize is important, like our national security, making right. sure that we have the funds for our army and our navy and our air force. And so this is a real concern. We're going to have to get our heads wrapped around it. We're coming out of what's been a very difficult 12 months. We staved off a massive economic depression thanks to President Trump and the work that we did early on. But now is the moment that we're going to have to turn the corner, bring our spending back under control and put us on a path to stability for generations to come. Yeah, such an important mission, and I'm glad that uh, you're talking about it. And, and uh, I'm uh, there's a few more in Congress now starting to talk about Tom Massey, of course. But it's good to know that uh, there there is a, a group of people now speaking with conscience and trying to deal with this. Congressman, so many great news things to talk to you about. That I can't thank you enough for spending so much time. Love to get you back on the show sometime soon because you're you're working on some really important things. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again. Say hi, hi to my, all the good folks in Wisconsin for me. It's one of my favorite places to have lived. <laughs> Will do. All right, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we've had a lot of news this week and we're not even done with the week. We still got Friday to go. We're going to be back tomorrow with another big show, some big revelations. Hang on. We're working on some things I think you're going to like. Uh, Until then, get a good night's rest. Enjoy your family. God bless you. God bless this great country of America, as he always has. I hope you have a great night. You'll tune in tomorrow, and we'll try to live up to the promise of just the news at John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless and be safe.